Good morning. Scott Luton here with you on this edition of This Week in Business History. Welcome to today's show. On this program, which is part of the Supply Chain Now family of programming, we take a look back at the upcoming week, and then we share some of the most relevant events and milestones from years past. Of course, mostly business-focused, with a little dab of global supply chain, and occasionally, we might just throw in a good story outside of our primary realm. So I invite you to join me on this look back in history to identify some of the most significant leaders, companies, innovations, and perhaps lessons learned in our collective business journey. Now, let's dive in to this week in business history. Hey everybody, and thanks for joining us today. I'm your host, Scott Luton, and welcome to today's edition of This Week in Business History for the week of September 6th, 2021. So today we celebrate Labor Day here in the United States. And sure, it can symbolize the end of summer and the beginning of fall. So for your fashionistas out there, that might be important. My dear wife, Amanda, has never accused me of being fashionable. But much more importantly, Labor Day is a celebration of just that, labor, hard work, and those workers that make it happen for our national and global economies. I can remember clear as day, the eureka moment I had back on a hot summer day in Columbia, South Carolina. After waiting tables for the lunch crowd that day at a white tablecloth joint called La Vecchia's, I was resting my feet at one of our outside tables eating some leftovers from the kitchen. In fact, I was eating one of my favorites. This place could make a mean mac and cheese. (laughs) It It was delicious. This particular table that I was seated at, well, it was near a bus station. So being that it was getting close to 5 p.m., a parade of working folks from all sorts of trades would walk past me as I was scarfing down my own very late lunch. Construction workers, medical professionals, fellow food industry workers, you name it. And they all looked pretty tired after a long day of hard work. And I must admit, my own dogs were barking that hot day. Serving those lunch shifts, at least for me, always meant a ton of work. Of course, with the added pressure of getting folks in and out to meet their lunch break limits. And all that work, but not much money made. Clearing 25 bucks during a lunch shift was the average for me. And 40 bucks was a good day. Now, to be fair, I was never really good at managing more than a few tables. So the real pros that were really good at what they did, well, they made a lot more than than I ever did. But as I was sitting there on that really hot late afternoon, eating that leftover delicious mac and cheese, but watching this parade of exceptional people stride past me, feeling pretty exhausted myself, it dawned on me the tremendous value of a full day's good work. Frankly, it made me want to jump up and hug those folks walking past me that day, although I didn't try it. And it gave me a profound sense of pride to have put my own time in that day as I, of course, got ready for my dinner shift. That moment, which was back in the late 90s, has stuck with me ever since. And it continues to remind me that we as consumers, that we as business leaders, that we as good people, we all must really appreciate and hug on the workers that keep us all moving forward. 
And with the ever-present backdrop of the pandemic these days, Labor Day 2021 is a special one from where I sit. So thank you all, regardless of what industry or sector, thank you all that work hard to keep the wheels of our country and the global community turning forward. Okay, so back to today's show here on This Week in Business History. Today's show is going to be a replay from an earlier episode where I dive into the history of Labor Day and really how it's evolved. So thanks for tuning in today. And hey, if I could ask for a simple favor, I sure would appreciate it if you would subscribe to the show here, the podcast, and of course, leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing wherever you get your podcast from. Thanks so much. So let's dive into the history of Labor Day here in the States, a day set aside to celebrate members of our workforce, past and present, and their incredible contributions to our society. There has never been a perfect answer in terms of exactly who founded Labor Day. According to the U.S. Department of Labor, it seems one of two individuals can lay the most likely claim. Peter J. McGuire was co-founder of the United Brotherhood of Carpenters and Joiners of America in 1881. Many call Peter J. McGuire the father of Labor Day. A carpenter, political activist, and trade unionist, many records point to McGuire as the first to call for a Labor Day to honor those that, quote, who from rude nature have delved and carved all the grandeur we behold, end quote. Others point to Matthew McGuire, no relation, as the first to call for a Labor Day. Matthew McGuire was a machinist from New Jersey. Interestingly enough, Matthew McGuire was the vice presidential nominee in the 1896 general election on the Socialist Labor Party of America ticket. He and Charles H. Matchett managed to get on the ballot in 20 states and garnered over 35,000 votes. Regardless, what is clear is that the first Labor Day holiday was celebrated on Tuesday, September 5th, 1882 in New York City. I say celebrated, but actually, it was a strike of sorts, as thousands of people gathered to protest deplorable working conditions that were rather common at the time. For example, unsafe factories and other working conditions, child labor, standard work days of 12 hours or more, seven days a week, and that's just to name a few. Let's describe the scene of the first Labor Day in this excerpt from an article from the U.S. Department of Labor entitled, Labor Days, Pride, Chaos, and Kegs on Labor's First Day. It goes on to describe the scene as such, quote, By 10 a.m., the Grand Marshal of the parade, William McCabe, his aides, and their police escort were all in place for the start of the parade. There was one problem. None of the men had moved. The few marchers that had shown up had no music. According to McCabe, the spectators began to suggest that he give up the idea of parading, but he was determined to start on time with the few marchers that had shown up. Suddenly, Matthew McGuire of the Central Labor Union of New York, and probably the father of Labor Day, ran across the lawn and told McCabe that 200 marchers from the Jewelers Union of Newark II had just crossed the ferry. And they had a band. Just after 10 a.m., the marching jewelers turned onto Lower Broadway. They were playing When I First Put This Uniform On, From Patience, an opera by Gilbert and Sullivan. 
The police escort then took its place in the street. When the jewelers marched past McCabe and his aides, they followed in behind. Then, spectators began to join the march. Eventually, there were 700 men in line in the first of three divisions of Labor Day marchers. Final reports of the total number of marchers ranged from 10,000 to 20,000 men and women. With all of the pieces in place, the parade marched through Lower Manhattan. The New York Tribune reported that, quote, the windows and roofs and even the lampposts and awning frames were occupied by persons anxious to get a good view of the first parade in New York of workingmen of all trades united in one organization, end quote. At noon, the marchers arrived at Reservoir Park, the termination point of the parade. While some returned to work, most continued on to the post-parade party at Wendell's Elm Park at 92nd Street and 9th Avenue. Even some unions that had not participated in the parade showed up to join in the post-parade festivities that included speeches, a picnic, an abundance of cigars, and lager beer kegs mounted in every conceivable place. From 1 p.m. until 9 p.m. that night, nearly 25,000 union members and their families filled the park and celebrated the very first and almost entirely disastrous Labor Day, end quote. By 1894, 23 additional states had adopted a Labor Day holiday, but many historians also point to one other event that caused the United States to officially adopt a national Labor Day holiday. On May 11, 1894, in Pullman, Illinois, a town that is one of Chicago's defined community areas, at least 12 striking railway workers lost their lives in what The Atlantic called America's first true nationwide strike. American troops and U.S. Marshals had been sent in to break up the strike, which had caused mail delivery to halt. Time Magazine called it, quote, one of the bloodiest strikes in U.S. history. About a month and a half later, on June 28, 1894, President Grover Cleveland signed a law making the first Monday in September of each year a national holiday. Many saw President Cleveland's signing of the bill as an attempt to send an olive branch to labor unions and the country's workforce. Regardless, the country finally had a day set aside to honor the nation's workforce. However, the American worker would have to wait years for certain practices to come into place. In 1916, President Woodrow Wilson signed the Adamson Act, which made an eight-hour workday standard in the railroad industry. It wasn't until 1938, with the passing of the Fair Labor Standards Act, that would make the eight-hour workday the new standard for all industries beyond railroad. In fact, this landmark legislation also established minimum wage, overtime pay, and child labor laws. Labor Day has a strong connection internationally with May Day, which is celebrated on May 1st or the first Monday in May each year. May Day has been observed for centuries, where it largely focused on celebrating the return of spring. However, in the aftermath of the Haymarket Riot in Chicago in 1886, May Day was chosen by factions in the U.S. as International Workers' Day. Now, May Day is an official holiday in 66 countries, but not widely celebrated in the U.S. Since that first Labor Day in 1882, the holiday has become known for cookouts, vacations, 
sales campaigns, and much more. A consumer extravaganza. But I'd argue that in 2020, with the pandemic environment that we continue to face here in the States and abroad, we should get back to Labor Day's roots and honor the incredible and thankless workers that keep our global economy moving. Better than that even, our brave workforce have risked their own safety so that us, the consumer, could have access to food, clothing, medicines, and plenty of the non-essentials too. So if you are a warehouse professional working in an e-commerce fulfillment center, or a truck driver, or a loading dock worker, or a retail clerk, or a machinist working in a manufacturing plant, or any of the other millions of workers at home or abroad that have continued to make it happen, thank you on behalf of all consumers. We are eternally grateful for what you do each and every day. Every day certainly is Labor Day. In one other somber item that occurs this coming week in business history, the 19th anniversary of the September 11, 2001 terrorist acts will be observed. 2,977 individuals lost their lives on 9-11. More than 25,000 individuals would be directly injured. There would be countless long-term health consequences for many. And that day and the months that followed would forever change history across the globe, business and otherwise. On September 11, 2001, I was on active duty in the United States Air Force, stationed at McConnell Air Force Base in Wichita, Kansas. I'm sure we all remember exactly where we were when we heard the news. I recall getting an email from CNN, a special bulletin that claimed, in a mishap, an aircraft had struck the North Tower of the World Trade Center in New York City. I thought for a second, that's really odd. Of course, as everyone else would also realize just 17 minutes later, as a second plane struck the South Tower, this was no mishap. Until the day that I die, I'll never forget two things. The live shot of the South Tower collapsing at 9.59 a.m. on September 11th. And secondly, the intense rage, anger, and sense of loss that I felt along with many others that I served with. I hope to never again be in the throes of struggling to contain those emotions. We shall never forget that day, nor the sacrifices of so many ever since. Our hearts and prayers are certainly with the families that lost loved ones on that infamous day, or in the weeks and months and years that followed. That wraps up our Labor Day edition of This Week in Business History right here on Supply Chain Now. From our family here to yours, we wish you all the best. On behalf of the entire team here at This Week in Business History and Supply Chain Now, this is Scott Luton wishing all of our listeners nothing but the best. Do good, give forward, and be the change that's needed. Thank you to all of our men and women that make up the global workforce. We are so grateful for all that you do. And on that note, we'll see you here next time on This Week in Business History. Thanks, everybody.